medical department only to go to the bench and we are more than a dozen. We don't train, we only recover. That's a, that's a situation. Preparation, hard work, confidence in overcoming those difficult moments. Today we're still outside Liverpool and we are going to the first part of the medical test. Welcome to this Football Medicine and Performance podcast. I'm Andrew Shafiq, a senior editor at AFMPA and your host for today's podcast. Today I am delighted to be joined by Rachel Davis. Rachel has a BSc degree in sport and exercise therapy and an MSc in physiotherapy from Leeds Beckett University. She started her career in non-league football working for Wakefield and Harrogate Railway FC before securing a position with Leeds United's academy. Working with the first team was always Rachel's ambition, so in 2014 she applied and was successful for the role of first team physiotherapist at Harrogate Town. At the time, Harrogate were National League North. Alongside this, Rachel was working part-time with Harrogate and at Henshaw College, doing hydrotherapy and rebound therapy for students with cerebral palsy and other physical and learning disabilities. In 2017, Harrogate Town turned full-time and Rachel became head physiotherapist and head of medical for the club. Harrogate got promoted to the EFL in August 2020 during the pandemic, and Rachel becomes the only female head physiotherapist in the EFL. Thank you for joining us today, Rachel. That's very welcome. Thank you for letting me be here. So just to start off, I know we've had a bit of an intro there, but do you mind just following on from that, telling us a little bit about your journey to date? Yeah, so I feel like it's been a bit of a mad journey, really, because um, I started off, I always knew I wanted to work in in football, but back when I was at uni, it was kind of, um, you know, how are you going to get your foot in the door? And a a lot of students struggle with that process. So I started off volunteering uh, just at a local club that I knew one of the players and, and got him from there. And then at the end of the season, when I qualified as a sports therapist, I took over that role and just continued with with my job there. Now, um, as many of you will know that there's still kind of um, a divide between sports therapists and physiotherapists. And I knew really I needed to go and get that piece of paper to become a physiotherapist if I really wanted to work my way up the football pyramid. So I went back to uni, back to Leeds, what was met at the time, now Beckett, and did an MSc in physiotherapy. And the the tutors knew that I wanted to work in football. So I was lucky enough to gain a placement at Leeds United. And after I finished the placement, I just basically asked the physios if I could just keep coming voluntarily, which I did for the entire season on my days off from uni. And then at the end of that, I managed to get a role there, um, heading up the medical for the under nines to the under 16s, which was really great. Um, But it was at a time where I just felt that I wanted to work. My long-term career was, was going to be in like adult football and I wanted to pursue the the head role as opposed to a part-time academy role so I applied for the job at Harrogate Town kind of not thinking much of it I didn't particularly think I was going to be successful but obviously I was Um, and the rest kind of history really we've we've worked our way up from the National League North uh, that we were in back then we got promoted three years ago to the National League and then in August last year to the EFL and and that's where we are today. 
That's brilliant. And I think our listeners are going to be really interested to learn a bit more about your specific experiences within the game. So I just wanted to ask, why do you think there's a lack of women in the men's professional game? Is And, you know, what are your experiences of that? Yeah, now I still think I people use the word sexism, which I think is a really strong word. Um, it's not necessarily a word that I want to kind of brand about. So I'm going to use the word bias, but whether that's subconsciously or consciously still I do think that there is a massive bias within the football league which is quite evident to see that you know there are female physiotherapists don't get me wrong but if you look at the heads of department the the people that run on the pitch week in week out you just don't see them and I think that's it's really sad to see because I genuinely don't think there's any reason whatsoever that I can't do my job as good as the next person that you know that's doing theirs at another club that's brilliant. And, you know, you've, you've kind of mentioned there about you, you, some of your experiences. What are some of the kind of challenges that you've, you've faced specifically, you know, for an example being facilities? What, what are some of the kind of key challenges that you come across? Um, yeah, it's a, that's a funny one because facilities definitely crops up with me on a weekly basis. And it sounds really silly, but when you go in the changing room and when you go in like the the players section of the ground, the I would say... And 80% of the clubs, there is never a kind of female toilet. Now, I'm not kind of ashamed to say that, you know, when footballers go to the toilet, it's not particularly a nice, clean process. So that is one thing that I majorly struggle with is, is just being able to go to the toilet on a, on a game day. Um, I don't have the problem at home because obviously, you know, I've, I've worked there that long now that our ground is set up for us to be able to have those facilities. But I think clubs just don't realise that you still need to have kind of male and female toilets. and it's not a particularly pleasant experience having to go in the changing room like you know need a minute's peace every now and again um but I've been to some grounds where like there's been a toilet with no door and I I just don't think clubs like appreciate that you know need a bit of privacy sometimes (laughs) yeah that's really interesting you mentioned that and I know you you did a recent article um and you kind of were quoted in the article saying uh, you remember your very first job and that you got in football after you qualified and when the manager introduced you he, he kind of said to to the staff and the players this is uh, instead of saying this is Rachel the new physio his words were look what I've brought you boys um, and you kind of described that as sending like you felt you were some piece of meat what what do you think are some of the difficulties of, of being recognized uh, in the men's game kind of touching on on that experience yeah so that was that was the former club um that I when I very first started working for that the manager said that to me but it genuinely does make you feel like you know like I said at the time like a piece of meat like you don't feel um I guess a sense of inequality in a way and I I do find it some weeks that when you stood on the the touchline before a game and like the manager and assistant manager will kind of shake hands it's very very rare that the other team will acknowledge me um, they'll kind of just like walk past or you, you do feel a little bit invisible and I, I don't really know why that is and don't get me wrong it you know it's not every manager and some are, are really nice and polite but you do get some that you just genuinely feel like you're not there when there is absolutely no reason that just because I am female that I can't work in the men's game. That's a, a really great point and I suppose how, how does that reflect into life in, in the changing room um, where you know we're predominantly in the men's game there there will be a, a greater male to female ratio. 
Yeah, definitely. It's it's definitely kind of a massive male to female ratio. Now at my club, as I say, I've been there a long time. I'm completely accepted. I'm, you know, I class myself as, as one of the lads, but in a good way. Um, there's never, ever been an issue in our changing room whereby, you know, me being a female, yeah, I am in the changing rooms and, you know, yeah, the lads go in the shower and, and you know, they'll get half naked for rubs or whatever, but that's just part of the job. It doesn't, I don't see myself differently just because I'm female. But I do think that, you know, you'll you'll walk down the corridor in some changing rooms and you'll hear, right, you know, a wolf whistle or comments and, oh, I bet your team gets a load of groin injuries and stuff like that. When it's just those comments that they're just not really necessary, because as I say, like I am professional at what I do. And I don't really feel that just because I am female, that needs to be an issue within my job. That's great. And what, what about kind of from the, the fans side of it? Um, what are your experiences of kind of uh, fans home, home and away? The first experience that I'd take my mind back to was in one of my very first years, again, back at a former club. And I ran on to our keeper at the time that had gone down and the, the fans behind this, the the goal were all there away. Well, it was the home fans. We were in an away game. And all I remember is about a thousand people singing, you should be ironing over and over again. And I, that still gets brought up with, with, you know, players that I see, you know, from the past when I see them every now and again, and we kind of make a laugh and a joke of it now. But when you kind of think about it, like it, again, it isn't really something that, you know, why, why should I be ironing? Why can't I be doing this job? Um, my the home fans at, at Harrogate Town are, are amazing, and again, I don't. I'm not made to feel at any point now like I'm different. But you do get away fans, obviously not this season under the circumstances, but in in previous seasons in non-league, kind of, you know, oh, love my my groin's injured. Can you fix it and things like that, which. It's just not really necessary when I'm trying to do my job really now I've I've learned to laugh it off and you do have to have a little bit of a thick skin I, I genuinely do think some people like wouldn't cope very well but as I say I, I just think it's funny now but it isn't it is an issue that I do think needs addressing because why does why is it still happening we're in we're in 2021 why is that still an issue and I suppose you, you've worked across various kind of clubs across the football pyramid, as well as, you know, academy football and, and senior football. Have you, have you noticed a difference at all across the board or, you know, in relation to, to the whole topic? What's quite worrying is there's a lot more females in non-league than there is the EFL, which I, I don't really know the answer as to, as to why that's, you know, still a thing, but I do feel like may not be... Um, a conscious issue but I do feel like there is an issue within the EFL that there is a lack of women working in the medical departments because why aren't there more female heads of departments the 72 clubs you know within the EFL pyramid and I'm the only one so why is that in 2021 I, I just don't understand but as I say I do feel like in the National League last year there were probably seven eight of us of, of people that ran on the pitch that were female. So why is that not a thing in, in League Two, One and the Championship? And have you kind of had other experiences across other sports or spoken to, to colleagues across other sports to, to gauge an understanding of if there's similarities or differences that can be adapted to, to the men's uh, football game? There's, there's definitely more female that work in men's rugby. I'm not too sure about other sports, to be honest, but 100% in rugby, it's definitely more accepted within the top divisions. So I just can't understand why 
it is still a thing in in the EFL but there are still some managers that will refuse to have female members of staff because they think it's a distraction but I just think that's unprofessional that it's if if the female is is professional and the, the members of staff and the players are professional then why should there be a barrier as to the fact that I'm female? That's really interesting. I think it'd be it'd be interesting to see kind of stats across across sports and be able to to identify that a little bit more. Yeah, massive. You've mentioned you've mentioned kind of the the, the unconscious or, or conscious bias. What kind of strategies do you think um, I suppose governing bodies, organisations, or even clubs could put into place to try and rectify some some of these issues? I know you've touched on some of them before, but I think it'd be important for our listeners to to hear some of those key messages. I think from a, from a student and a newly qualified point of view, I think that that girls, women shouldn't be put off by applying for those jobs. That's what I did back then. And don't get me wrong, I didn't think I was going to get it, but I did. And, and obviously that's brought me where I am today. So I definitely think that, that, you know, women shouldn't be put off by applying for those roles. I think from a club point of view, I think there's certain clubs that are still kind of living living in the last era if that makes sense and is still living in those kind of old habits that you know that you wouldn't have that females working in a men's dressing room like I still get people asking me do you have to go outside when they're getting changed well no obviously but I'm, I'm doing my job I'm not there to stand and, and, and watch the view so I think that maybe the governing bodies need to, and, and the clubs especially need to kind of have a you know have an equality act whereby females are considered for the roles just as as much as men are which it's hard to establish because maybe they are and maybe it is just purely coincidence that it is still you know men's working in that role I can't say either way I haven't looked into it as you know as much as I'd like but I just think it would be nice for for more clubs to give opportunities to to females that are just as good as doing their jobs really. That's really interesting there. And I think there's a lot of key take homes uh, for our listeners learning about um, working uh, not only as a female in the men's professional game, but also leading a department and some of the challenges and how those can be addressed. Rachel, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, Thank you very much. Listeners, I'll put up uh, the links to some of the things that have been mentioned during the podcast. And if you enjoyed today, please subscribe to the FMPA on our Spotify and SoundCloud accounts where you can reach all of our podcasts. Alternatively, our podcasts are also available for free via the podcast section of the FMPA website. You've been listening to the Football Medicine and Performance Podcast. Have a great day.